during worship is that there are many of you here who may not feel worthy to sing that. And maybe you feel shame. It's like, oh, I just don't feel like I'm worthy. I don't even feel like I belong to be here. And that's just how the enemy works. He's the accuser of the brethren. But men, here's what I heard Jesus say during that song. If a man feels unworthy to sing that song, then tell him to sing it louder. Tell him to sing it louder. (laughs) Because it never was about us and it never will be about us. It's about the cross. And so as we come into this course and we're talking about the power of the Holy Spirit, it begins right here at the cross where Jesus suffered for us so that the curtain could be ripped in two and the Spirit can come. So what I want to do is let's sing that chorus one more time and let's sing it louder, right? Right in the face of the accuser. Let's look to Jesus the resurrected King, and let's declare His glory. Can we sing the chorus one more time? Let's sing this thing. So glad you're here. Jesus is among us. He is risen. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. And the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ, is with us tonight. Isn't that good news? Amen. Amen. Hey, take just a, a couple of moments. Say hi to some guys at your table and around, and we'll, uh, we'll dig into the scriptures in just a moment here.
Great job, guys. Is there another table? Yeah, is it? Could I? Is that okay? Can we grab this? Thank you. Good with that? Yeah, yeah. We'll close it out with that. Yeah. Um, when I start talking about the water faucet at the end, that'll be kind of the All right. Well, so good to see you guys. I love that uh, this many men carved out time to seek the Lord, to gather with other brothers and go after God together. So I am full of anticipation of what God is going to do among us and through us and for us over the next four weeks together. Uh, I realize some of you might be here tonight and, and you're new to the church. I know we actually have several guys who are here tonight who are new to the church, so welcome. Uh, my name is Gabe Jenkins. I serve as men's pastor here at New Life, and uh, I love that you're here. I think that takes courage, honestly, to show up to something like this when you're new to the church and still trying to get a, get a feel for what everything is, and so you're here. And uh, you're going to hear me talk more about this in, in the coming weeks, but I just want you to know that there's a place for you to belong, to be known, uh, to grow, uh, to be a part of the family, to be a part of the brotherhood. There's a place for you. And so we have uh, groups that are meeting throughout the city called fire teams. These are groups where guys are getting together in each other's homes, and they're eating together, and they're having a blast together, and they're praying together and opening up the scriptures together. And so, again, I'm going to tell you more about uh, those groups in the coming weeks, but for, for now, welcome. Uh, so glad you're here. So let's begin before we open up the scriptures by praying. Father, thank you so much for the word. Thank you for the scriptures. Thank you for truth. 
And, and Father, thank you for every man here. Every man here is so intimately known by you. They have a story. And they have a good father who loves them, who sees them, who sees them, and who opens his arms wide to every one of us. So thank you for that. Father, give us ears to hear what your spirit is saying to us tonight. Give us eyes to see. Give us hearts that are wide open to receive the truth of your word. It's in Jesus' name. Everybody says, amen. Amen. How many of you love the feeling of driving a vehicle with a really powerful engine? You know, the kind, the kind of engine where you turn it on and it just makes you laugh. And then when you, when you push the gas, it puts you back right away. Like, isn't that a feeling? That is quite a feeling. Now, I, gotta, I just got to confess and admit that I have never owned one of those vehicles. <laughs> I don't want to pretend like, like I have a lot of these vehicles because I never have. In fact, the vehicles that I've owned over the course of my life are, are the kind of vehicles when you, you, you turn it on, it's like, is this thing really on? <laughs> and you, you push the accelerator, it's like, Aah! I mean, there's no horsepower there. So I told my wife, someday, honey, someday I'd love to own a vehicle that'll put me back in my seat. But I was thinking about this. Uh, It doesn't really matter how much power is in under the hood if you don't access it, if you don't turn it on, if you don't Uh, put it in drive and step on the gas. You can have all of the horsepower in the world under the hood and just leave it in idle. And as I've prayed about this course, I really believe that God gave me this picture to say, Gabe, there are a lot of men, myself included, we have been given access to incredible power through the Holy Spirit as Christ followers. God has given us the Holy Spirit But how easy is it to live life where we leave that sucker in neutral? Or maybe we drive like we're going through a school zone all the time. And I believe that one of the things that God wants to do among us over the next four weeks is he wants to awaken us to realize in a fresh way how extraordinary it is that we are carriers of the Holy Spirit. And I think he wants to awaken us in ways where he's saying, okay, you're not in a school zone. Step on the gas. Let's let's hear it rumble. And the reason why is because it's for his glory. It's not for us. He's saying, step on the gas. Begin to live a life that demonstrates the power of God because it all points to the resurrected Jesus. And so I, I have been so excited just to lean into prayer and say, God, what do you have for us? What are you doing among us? And I think that's, that's a picture that we can hang on to over our four weeks together. Not only... Uh, does God want to awaken us? But I believe he also wants to equip us to show us, okay, this is how you begin to move more and more in that 
direction. So let's, uh, let's open up to Acts chapter 1. I just want to say right off the bat that this is not uh, the be-all, end-all course on the Holy Spirit. If that was the case, we would never leave. And we'll have you out of here by 8 so you can get back home. Uh, but over the four weeks, what I do hope happens is that we just lay down some foundational truths that we can begin to build on that will then translate into our daily life. Because what I don't want to happen is for us to come here and spend four weeks together and just fill our brains with a lot of information and then we leave the same. And then the following Thursday, August 30th, by the end of this, it's, we're really the same. That's not what God wants. He wants to awaken us and then begin to, to help us to live differently by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so, uh, again, let's just talk about a couple of core uh, foundational truths when it comes to the Holy Spirit tonight. And number one is that God is extravagantly generous when it comes to giving the Holy Spirit. He's not frugal. He's not stingy. God doesn't say, okay, this is mine. Just good luck. This is mine. No, he throws his arms wide open. He says, receive the Holy Spirit. This is for you. And I am so fascinated by this passage in Acts chapter 1, starting in verse 4. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. So this is Jesus speaking to the apostles. He said, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait. Everybody say wait. wait. Okay, that's key. We're going to come back to that. He's saying, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Verse 6, then they gathered around him. Now, just pause for a second. That, I, that strikes me. That's interesting. So Jesus is talking, and then they catch what he's saying, and then they decide to gather around him. It's like, well, were they not listening? Like, he said something that kind of caught their interest and made them begin to gather around him. And that makes me think of my kids. Some of you fathers might be able to relate to this. Do you ever feel like you're talking to your kids, but they're not really listening? But then you say that one thing, and like, what? Ice cream? What? And then all of a sudden, they come in real close, like, what? Dad, what are you saying? So Jesus, he, he said something that caught the disciples' attention, and they began to lean in closer. And they said, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Verse 7, he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. That, my friends, is really good news. Now, think about what's happening here. Because in John chapter 20, Jesus appeared to the disciples after his resurrection, and he breathed on them, and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. This is John chapter 20. Now, he's saying, wait for the gift that my Father 
has for you. In other words, Jesus is saying, okay, hotshots, there's quite a mission in store for you. Ready, set, wait. Don't do it. Don't you dare try this without the full empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And again, it speaks to the generosity of God with the Spirit. He had already breathed on them and given them the Holy Spirit, but now he's saying there is more. Ethan, you want to help me out here? Do you want to bring this up? I want to illustrate it this way. Ethan needs to hit the gym, don't you think? Look at this guy. Thank you. So, so think about what's happening here. Let me move my coffee. So in, in John chapter 20, Jesus again breathes on him and says, receive the Holy Spirit. But it doesn't stop there. Again, because he's not a frugal God. He said, you're going to be baptized. Wait for it. And then in Acts chapter 2, we see it, the Pentecostal power. God opening his, arm, his arms wide, pouring out the Holy Spirit. And boom. It's not enough just to say, okay, you, here, just have a little bit of the Holy Spirit. But what I want to do is I actually want to take you and I want to baptize you. I want to completely immerse you in the fullness of the Spirit. That's how generous I am. That's how good I am. That's how much I want to empower you so that you can fulfill the plans that I have, so you can bear witness to the reality that Jesus is alive. And this is a picture, I think, of what God has for all of us. This is a prayer that I try to pray in my own life often. God, just immerse me in your spirit. Baptize me in your spirit. I know, God, that you are a generous God. And I know, God, that I don't stand a chance of fulfilling the plans you have for me without the full empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And that brings us to the second uh, foundational truth here for tonight that I want us to keep in mind when it comes to the Holy Spirit is that we cannot fulfill the purposes that God has for our lives without the Holy Spirit. And I realize that for some of you, you might be saying, well, thank you, Captain Obvious. That is brilliant insight. I, I understand that can sound so obvious, but this is my question. Do we live it out? Like in my life, on Monday, do I live in such a way where I believe that's true, that today, on Monday, I cannot fulfill what God has for me today without the full empowerment of the Holy Spirit, and so that causes me in a fresh way to be dependent. Come, Holy Spirit, I need you. I can't do this without you. So this is something that we may, we may know, but that's not the point. It's something that we are invited to live out, to live in such a way where we're so dependent on the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And this is what we see with Jesus. Jesus at his baptism in Luke 3 is clothed in power with the Holy Spirit. And then the Holy Spirit leads him into the wilderness. And then in Luke 4, he returns in the power of the Holy Spirit. And the kingdom of darkness trembled. It was essentially game on. In reality, it was like game over because Jesus had the empowerment 
of the Holy Spirit. But it causes me to ask this question. If Jesus, the Son of God, needed the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, why would I try to live my life and fulfill the purposes God has on my life without the empowerment of the Holy Spirit? Why would I even try? And when I look around the room, I know that each one of you, you're in different seasons of life and and your, your daily life looks one way and the person next to you, their daily life looks another way. But again, the common denominator is that we all need the empowerment of the Holy Spirit in our daily lives. I can never be the father that God called me to be without the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. I, I, we can never experience the kind of marriage that God intended for us to experience without the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And in, in your work, you can never experience the kind of fruit in your work that God desires to see without the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. We need it. We're desperate for it. And it's a good thing that he's gracious and generous to give it. Now, this is, this is something that's really important uh, for us to realize because this is not a formula, right? So if God is generous to give the Holy Spirit and I need the Holy Spirit, then what's the formula that I need to follow in order to live a Spirit-empowered life? It's not a formula, it comes by revelation. It's God giving us revelation about how amazing it is that you carry the presence of the Spirit. And I think of, I think of Paul's prayer in Ephesians 1. All right, so uh, Paul prayed a really powerful prayer in Ephesians 1 that I want us to look at together. And we're going to have this on the screen as well. But Paul writes, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. Now, now get this. This is a woe phrase, I think. And his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Now let the truth, let the weight of that truth just settle on you a little bit. That the Holy Spirit that you have received is the same incomparable power that God used when he raised Christ from the dead. The same power has been given to you. That's a powerful engine, fellas. That'll purr. But what Paul is praying here, he's praying that the eyes of their heart would be filled with light so they could see it. So, so that it would be revealed to them how amazing it is that they have the Holy Spirit, that they would, have, they would catch the revelation of what this really means. And so when I was thinking about how to illustrate this, I realized that one way to illustrate this is to borrow from one of the great theologians, Nicolas Cage. <laughs> Some of you are like, Nicolas Cage, is, that, is he before Augustine or after Augustine? <laughs> He's from National Treasure. And so let's, let's watch this clip together from 
one of the great movies, or average movies. that's significant. because they're in the room with the treasure and they have partial understanding of it, partial insight into the treasure. I mean, they're pretty impressed with what they initially see. And then all of a sudden, the, the fire illuminates the rest of the room and they realize, whoa, there's a lot more than I initially thought. And I think of the passage about we have this treasure in us, in jars of clay. That in every one of us as Christ followers, God himself has come to dwell in us. He is the treasure in the jar of clay. And I think this is part of what Paul is getting at to say, I pray, I pray that the eyes of your heart would be filled with light so that you can see it so that you can see the fullness of what it really means that his incomparable great power is within you. And that's why it's not a formula. Because if we try to live a spirit-empowered life by following a formula, then we're going to miss the revelation of what really it is that we carry 
And so how do you get the revelation? There's not a formula to it. You come to Jesus. You come to Jesus again and again and again. You come to him, and he is the one that opens our eyes. He is the one that gives us this revelation that fills the eyes of our heart with light so that we can actually see the treasure in the, the jars of clay. So God is generous, extravagantly generous with the Holy Spirit. Number two, we desperately need the Holy Spirit. And here's the third thing where we'll bring it in for a landing. The third point is, is that therefore we need to live a life that continually invites the presence of the Holy Spirit into our lives. It's not just the one-time the one thing where you, again, you check the box, okay, I've, I've checked that box. But in Ephesians 5, uh, the scripture says, be continually filled with the Spirit. Go on being filled with the Spirit. This is what we're invited into. And I think it starts on a daily basis, right away, first thing. I mean, how many of us, this is, this is what it looks like, first thing in the morning, right? You're like, looking for the phone. Oh. Go to your schedule, go to the emails. Oh. Okay, let's do this, All right? Here we go. I mean, it's easy to, to, to start the day like that, to say, okay, this is what I got to do, so let's just get to it. But there's a better way. And I believe first thing in the morning, what if, guys, what if we were to start the day by saying, come Holy Spirit. I'm not looking at my calendar. I'm not looking at my emails. I'm putting all of that aside. What I'm going to do is wait for the Holy Spirit to come. Come, Holy Spirit, I'm going to create space for you. I'm going I'm to put my nose in the scriptures. I'm going to go to Proverbs. I'm going I'm to look at the Gospels. And I'm going to expect you, Holy Spirit, to come and meet with me this morning. Come, Holy Spirit. If we start our day like that, oh, come on. If we start our day waiting on the Holy Spirit to come, and then as we get into our day and we put into practice the, uh, we put into practice just the act of inviting his spirit to come throughout the day, that's, that's beginning to push the accelerator. That starts to get that engine revved up because we're simply inviting his spirit to come. Come, Holy Spirit. And I'm talking about in every area of life, even when it doesn't feel like a really spiritual moment. How many of you ever have those? <laughs> like all day, every day? A, a couple weeks ago, my wife and I were, were having the budget conversation. Don't you love that? <laughs> the budget conversation. Oh, so we were plowing through this, and we had a, a, a difference in one part of the budget I really wanted the muscle car, and no, I'm just joking. But we had a, we had a difference in, in one part of the budget, and I was working hard to try to convince her that I was right. And she just gave me the look, and I guarantee you know what the look is. Like, yeah, keep trying. 
And then she was trying to convince me of her, of her reasoning, and I was starting to get irritated. And she was starting to get irritated. And it was really clear that we were stuck. We were going nowhere really fast. Now, it's easy to, in those moments, just to keep plowing ahead, right? Try to run her over with even louder reasoning. But what I did is I grabbed her hand, again, not feeling spiritual in the least. I'm feeling aggravated. But I grabbed her hand and I said, come, Holy Spirit. Come, you are our counselor, you are the one who leads us, and so we submit to you. We invite you in and we submit to you. Right there, I was trying to put this into practice. And then I looked up at her after the prayer, like waiting, you know, I was expecting like God would have like zapped her, like surely God answered my prayer, like this is it, I'm going to see it in her eyes, she got the revelation, and she still had the same look, and it wasn't revelation, and so, but, but what we did is we decided to slow down, slow down, and invite the Holy Spirit and, and wait on him. And again, it didn't turn into this amazing story of an amazing outcome, but that's what I'm talking about. This is, this is like for daily life. And we did work through it. And I do thank the Holy Spirit. And it took some time. And we had to keep praying that and keep praying that and keep waiting. But I think this is where a lot of guys get hung up, right? You get into your day and maybe you're facing a situation where you really need the Holy Spirit to come and intervene. And you say, okay, Holy Spirit, come. You're not coming. <laughs> and you know what it's like when you, when you get a new house and you turn on the faucet? You, you, you turn it on, and you look at it, and there's nothing happening. And you look at it a little longer, and there's nothing happening. And then you wait, and you wait, and eventually, and it comes. Not on my timing. Not on your timing. It's on a different timing. But what we have to learn to do is slow down, turn on the faucet by saying, come, Holy Spirit, and wait. And trust that even if nothing amazing happens in the moment, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't change the reality that he's there. It doesn't change the reality that he's interested. It doesn't change his faithfulness. So our response is just to keep saying, come, Holy Spirit, I'm going to wait on you. I'm going to trust in you. And sometimes that means that we, just, we keep working. We use our mind, right? We use the strength God has given us, but it doesn't change the deep down posture of, Holy Spirit, I need you to come. Come, Holy Spirit. And he is faithful. He is so faithful. I've seen it time and time and time again to the point where I've developed a confidence that even though we may not have this super spiritual moment when the prayer is first prayed, he will come because it's who he is.
And so that's, that's, I believe, one of the keys to beginning to put the car at a park, put it into drive, and begin to push on the gas is just practicing welcoming the Holy Spirit, inviting the Holy Spirit, waiting on the Holy Spirit, making space. When we, we say, come Holy Spirit, we're turning on the faucet. But what we're really doing in our daily lives is we're making space for him. He loves to be invited. Do you know that about him? That he's with you? Jesus said, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And I believe this is a word that, that some of you need to hear. He loves to be with you. He loves to be with you. It's not like he's like, ugh, Jesus. I got I to gotta be with this one. No! I feel that so strongly in my spirit right now. Some of you need to receive that the Holy Spirit delights in you. He loves to be with you. He loves your presence. And he likes to be invited in. And so just practice that. Come, come, help me. That's a powerful prayer right there. Holy Spirit, help. Just practice it. And, and if you don't see the answer, it's okay. Say it again. Practice it in faith. In faith. Amen. Would you stand with me, please? Now, how crazy would it be, really, if I just got done talking to you about the importance of waiting on the Holy Spirit, and then I said, okay, quick, let's go to the next thing. Let's practice this. Let's practice this. How, how often in your week do you really have time to just wait with nothing that needs to be done, nothing urgent, that you can literally just wait on the Holy Spirit? And so let's do that right now. Let's just have some time where we invite the Holy Spirit to come. And so if you would, just open up your hands just as a posture of receiving. And let's say this together. Say, come, Holy Spirit. We welcome you. Fill me. Baptize me. I welcome your presence. Now just in your own words, just begin to just pray. Welcome him. Maybe there's areas of your life where you realize that maybe you've been trying to hang on to control. Maybe there's something that you feel like the Holy Spirit is saying, hey, I want to, I want to come in and take over in this area. So what, if he begins to show you these areas of your life, just say, come, Holy Spirit, come into this. Let's just begin to wait on him.
Spirit speak to us? Is there something specific you're wanting to say? Give us ears to hear. Speak to every man. What is a word, a word that you have for each man? Speak it to their heart, Lord. Just ask and say, Lord, is there, is there one word tonight that you want to speak to me? Is there anything you want to give me? Just like Pastor Matthew said, I want whatever you have for me tonight, Jesus. For some of you, you might be thinking, wow, this is really awkward and uncomfortable. This is, come on, like, go on with it. And that's exactly what I'm saying. Like, this is so, this is so counter-cultural to what we experience. But this is what he invites us into. It's a life of waiting. A life of waiting. And Lord, so help us to be still and know that you are God. Not only tonight, but every day. May we be still and know that you're God and invite you in and wait on you. Now let's just begin to praise him, okay? Just lift your voices. This is another thing that's so powerful as we're waiting on the Lord is to practice exalting him. Maybe you don't feel anything happening. Maybe you're not hearing anything. It's okay. That doesn't mean anything's wrong with you. Let's just begin to exalt him and praise him. We worship you, Jesus. We praise you. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. We worship you and thank you for your goodness, your grace, your generosity. Father, thank you for Jesus. What an incredible gift. Thank you for the Holy Spirit. God, we worship you and glorify you and praise you. We praise you, Jesus. Let's sing this last song together in a form of praise. Yes, worship us. My soul, oh my soul, worship his holy name, sing like never before. Oh my soul, I worship your holy name. Bless the Worship His holy name. 
since you've had another man place his hands on your shoulder and, and pray for you. And so even if you haven't met him now, just begin to pray for the man on your right and left. Father, we thank you for every man here. Father, may you continually fill them with your spirit. May they walk in your joy. May they walk in your peace. May their families be blessed. May what you pour into them overflow into their families. May the fruit of the spirit more and more increase and appear in our lives, Lord. And so, Father, we look to you and we praise you and we thank you for your goodness. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, if you want to go ahead and have a seat, we've got about 26 more minutes left. We've got a lot of military guys in the room, so time is important. So I'm going to come back up at, at uh, I'm going to come back up at 8:02, all right, just to be exact. And so you've got the, the rest of the time. There are, there are discussion questions on each table. We tried to have a table leader for each table, but the registration numbers kept going up and we had a hard time keeping up. But what we did do is put discussion questions on each one. And our hope is that not only will you come to this and be refreshed 
and renewed, but you'll have a chance to meet some other great guys at your table. And so take the rest of the time and go through those and, and get to know one another. And then I'll come back up and dismiss us at 8.02.